0: Well, good morning, Good morning. get my tic tacs out of my pocket here so I don't shake and rattle as I speak there. There we go. Joan is always so kind. She always gives me a one every time I come, which I'm not quite sure what that really all means. <laughs> There's some kind of message behind that act of kindness. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking it, but I knew it would be nice and cool in here. And uh, so I was thinking a little bit about that section of scripture in Acts chapter 20 where Paul went on and was speaking for quite a long time. It seems like he started in the late afternoon and he went on till midnight. And that fellow, Eutychus, you might remember, he seemed like he was kind of a young chap, fell from the third floor, sitting on the sill, And then he fell down. And so I was thinking, you know, maybe it's just safe to stay here till about midnight tonight when it's a little cooler. So I'll just keep you all in here because I'm a little bit afraid to walk out that door in another 45 minutes. I haven't experienced 110 degree heat yet, so I might just stick around and go to In-N-Out and wait and see what happens. (laughs) I assume you can fry an egg on this kind of uh, heat that we're going through. Turn your Bibles. I want to have us look at two passages of Scripture. First, Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, and then keep your finger there. We're going to look at a section of Scripture in Psalm 119. I love it when the Lord works it out as such that the song that Jenny sang is very much on the theme of what I'm speaking on. She said, remind me where my heart belongs. And the title of my message is The Heart of the Matter. And that wasn't pre-planned or pre-programmed or any word about that in advance. I love that. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the spring of life Psalm 119 verse 9 how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word with all my heart I have sought you do not let me wander from your commandments your word I have treasured in my heart That I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all of the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches. Isn't that an amazing statement? I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. I remember a number of years ago, a man in Ireland asked me this question that kind of took me off guard. You know how that is sometimes. Somebody throws a question at you. Just stand back a bit. He said, how's the heart? He just said, how's the heart? And I thought for a second and I said, well, I don't think he's talking about that muscle that's about the size of my fist. That's located a little bit to the left of the middle of my chest. I want to make sure I know where it's there. If I ever have to have somebody do CPR on me, I'll be able to direct them where to go. If they don't know, it's right there. didn't think he was talking about that. And he said, how's your heart? Of course, he was speaking about, you know, what's going on on the inside. That if you like the spiritual heart, how are things spiritually? How are your, how's your thoughts? How's the motives? How's the desires? What's happening on the inside here? How are you doing? It's one of those kind of questions that you have to maybe think about, don't you, sometimes? Because sometimes we're so used to just kind of going through the motions of what we're doing. And we have to stop and just say for a moment, wait a second, how is how am I doing? When we were in Yosemite a couple weeks ago. We met with our daughters and we said, let's just look at a couple of verses on a, on one word each day. We'll take a word out of the scripture and let's look for a couple of verses that there are in the Bible about this. So one of the days it was on the word Heart. And maybe you're thinking, because a number of you are really good, I noticed that. You're really good here at your scripture memory. And you probably have a couple of verses, maybe Psalm 119, 9 and 11, that's one of the verses you've memorized as to that contain that word heart. If you have a concordance, it's probably all online now. I still have the Strong's Concordance, the big old blue book, the one you could do curls with, you know, now it's so so big. And you look up that word heart, And I started to count and it was too many times it's mentioned in the scripture. And I said, well, for another time, it's mentioned a lot. The word heart is found all throughout the Bible. It's obviously something that God is interested in. He's concerned about it. And that's really the first thing I want to bring about and remind us about today is that God knows. And he cares about our heart. The a verse in Jeremiah 17:9. I'm sure there's somebody here who knows it, but I'll quote it for the rest of us. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's wonderful that in the next verse, the answer is given to us. In Jeremiah 17, God says, I, I, the Lord, search the heart. Jesus never needed help. He never needed any advice on what was going on inside a man or a woman's heart, did he? Acts 124, the writer says, you, Lord, know the hearts of all men. Amazing thing today is God knows exactly what's going on inside our heart, inside our mind. Jesus says, remember that verse in uh, John chapter 2, where he says now, the writer John says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. So Jesus saw this and you think, well, that, that was great. But the next verse says this, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in a man. The all appearance sake, it looked like there were a number of people who were following him for all the right reasons. They saw the miraculous signs he was doing. The, The crowd was growing. More and more people were being attracted to him. He was becoming more popular. But yet he knew that inside some, it was just a bit of an act. They were there for the wrong reasons. They were following him maybe for what they could get out of him. As opposed to having a pure heart who genuinely had trusted in him. And we're following him as their savior. It's troubling, isn't it? I find this one section of scripture in Matthew 23. And if you'd like to turn there, I just want you to see this. Matthew 23, where Jesus talks about the eight woes. He's speaking to the Pharisees, but another section of scripture. Jesus says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Then in Matthew 23, when he's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, he says in verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones. In all uncleanness. So you too, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy. And lawlessness. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't ever want the Lord Jesus to have to say that about me. Do you? I don't want him to say that, you know what, everything appears, and for the sake of others, you appear to be fine on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Some of us, probably when we hear something like that, if anybody else said that to us, we'd say, whoa, who are you to say that? Who are you, you hear this, don't you? Who are you to judge me? And yet the Lord Jesus Christ can say that because he's God and he knows what's going on in the heart. And he could see that. Jesus knows what's going on in our heart. And you know what? That's a good thing. And we're going to talk about that as a little bit on the positive side. I want you to realize that God also, in this sense, knows what's going on in your heart, that even when we struggle and when we fail and when we blow it, he knows that there's a heart, if it's really that way, that longs for him, that longs to do right. And might say, you know what? I I just believe the lie of the devil again. Or, you know what, I just gave in to my lusts, and I was tempted by the world, and, I, and I'm sorry, Lord. But he knows the heart, and if it's sincere. And so rather than walking out of here discouraged if we have blown it, which we have, and we will, he knows what's really going on on the inside, and that can be comforting. Jesus said in Matthew 6:21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever your treasure is today, if it's in monetary issues, if it's in the market, mutual funds, bonds, cash, your job security, your benefits, your possessions, your home, whatever that thing is that's your treasure, if that is what it is, that's what's got your heart. If that's the thing that you wake up and you go to bed thinking about the most, if that's the thing, if you like to say, you know what, God, you see my heart. You know exactly what it's like. And at the end of a week, if you take a whole lump day, seven days in that week, and you said, you know what, this has kind of been what's been on my mind. And this has been what kind of what I've been thinking about. This has been my passion. Then for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Proverbs 4.23, what the writer is getting to is that the heart and the mind is the fountain from which actions spring. And he said in that little sweet and short verse in Proverbs four twenty three that if the fountain is pure, then the streams that flow from it will be pure. Remember that verse, as a man thinks, so is he. Another section of scripture in the gospel, Jesus said, afterward, he appeared to the leaven themselves as they were reclining at the table and reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Here we see a verse of Scripture where in Mark 16, 14, he reproaches them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. The hardness of heart is a one of those interesting sections of studies in Scripture, isn't it? It's interesting because we can get to this point to where we're hardening our heart. We're letting our heart just get cold and it's callous. And at some point, remember with Pharaoh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart after his stubbornness. And after just continuing to reject what message he was trying to give, this hardening took place as a judgment. And I don't know about you today, but when you think about how you're doing, how your heart is, I hope as opposed to hardness... That it's a soft heart. It's a tender heart. It's a heart that's sensitive to sin. And it's a heart, if you like, that's just beating. It's just pulsating, if you like. If somebody could, you know, figuratively speaking, look at us and see our heart, they would just see this thing beating, you know, out for God. It's not lifeless, but it's very much alive. Is our heart, in the sense, do we have a heart that believes God? A mind that says that he can do whatever he so chooses to do and he can will it for his good pleasure. Or were we like the disciples that had gotten into that place and they had been with him. But now they were struggling with unbelief and hardness of heart. Jesus said in John 14, one, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Today, would you say that you're someone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ? But if you've got a troubled heart, you might say, you know what? One of the reasons I've got this troubled heart is is the more I think about it is, is I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of worry because I really don't know who to trust. And I would ask you today, have you come to the place where you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? That if you're a person that's just prone to anxiety, prone to worry, that you realize that, you know what? I just haven't learned what it means to trust in one who I can really trust in, who knows the future. And who knows me better than I know myself. There's a lovely verse in Psalm 119 where we just were. By the way, anybody ever memorized the whole book of Psalm 119? Is anyone here? Okay, just checking. I was uh, at a conference a few weeks ago where a man said he memorized the whole book of Hebrews. Uh, and I was pretty impressed. He's a doctor up in Canada. And he uh, said he put the verses of scripture on his, the ceiling. And when he would go to bed at night, he would see those verses when he went to sleep. And then when he would wake up in the morning, he would see those verses. And that was how he learned to memorize the whole book of Hebrews. But in Psalm 119, verse 165, there's a wonderful verse that says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. That's a good one for you. Psalm 119, 165. You know what? God also, though, says, you know what? I want you to take care of your heart. That's what it said there in Proverbs 4.23. Watch over your heart. That idea of that word watch. It's like guard. Like a person that's at a, watching prisoners. It's not just this kind of, you know, just flimsy kind of thing. I'm just kind of looking around and then, you know, and all of a sudden it's, it's an intense word. Watch. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Not something haphazard. But something that we're taking and understanding that our heart is very fragile. And we need to take care of it. God wants us to take care of our heart. You think of the physical heart. If you're over 40 years old today, and I only see a few here who meet that criteria. You know, your heart has already beat more than 1.5 billion times. I haven't counted that. Somebody told me that, so I trust they're right. But you know what? When that physical heart of ours stops... It's going to be too late to change our ways, isn't it, as far as how we have taken care of this physical heart. We know, particularly living in this part of the world, that it's important because we hear so much about physical exercise to keep that physical heart in good shape. Because it's a muscle, isn't it? And if we want to keep that muscle strong, we need to do that word that we probably don't want to do this afternoon now. Probably too late if you haven't done it already. But you want to exercise it. How do you do it? Well, we know that we have to be active. Active in a way that gets us huffing and puffing. That causes a little bit of that stuff that's up here to glisten and to sweat. And you know what they tell us, the brisk walk, running, lifting weights, and definitely swimming. And doctor will tell you if you go and ask him, you know, how should I keep myself active? He'd say if if everything's okay with you physically, you should be doing it a little bit at least every day. How many physically exercise every day? Let me see. Raise hands. Oh, boy. OK. Well, uh, let me move on to the second point of what you need to do. You need to eat a variety of healthy foods. And I went in there for a drink of water and I saw all these pink boxes. And I thought, oh, there must be carrots and celery and all of that kind of good stuff in there. And somebody said to me walking by, they said, wow, that was discipline right there. Because I looked at it, but then I walked away. Because sadly, truthfully, I'm known as the one who snuffs out and finds where the, sniffs out, I should say, the pink boxes at work. I can be upstairs, and I say, I'll be back in just a few minutes. And I'm on a, I'm on a prowl, and I'm looking for a pink <laughs> box. I know all the secret places of where they're hidden and where people go for them. And my rationale is, is if I have just a plain cake or something like that, then I can just run a little harder on the treadmill at lunch or something like that. But we know if we're going to be, take care of this physical heart that God has given us, and it's, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, that we should eat a variety of healthy foods and avoid all those foods that are high in unhealthy fats, Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> such as saturated fats. And I don't know what these words all mean, but I heard something about exactly trans fats. And um, I don't know if those words were in the dictionary a few years ago, but they are now. They tell us avoid that kind of stuff. We understand that for our physical heart. Lastly, on the point of the physical, we understand don't smoke. damages the heart and blood vessels. But now think about your spiritual heart, for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have him living inside your lives, and you're it, on the inner man a new person. It has throbbed millions of times with lots of thoughts, affections, and choices, hasn't it? And in the heart, we determine from the heart, it comes out of our mouths, how we will speak and how we're going to behave and how we're going to respond to the trials of life and all the circumstances that come our way. It's interesting, isn't it, on the, on the physical side that we pay close attention to our appearance. For the most part, I think we do. I went to work a few weeks ago and somebody said, it doesn't look like you combed your hair today. And I said, that's right, I forgot. Um... <laughs> just did this and that was about all I need there's not much more left so I didn't think I needed to do more than that we pay attention to our body as far as keeping it clean and our hair and our face and we understand the importance of watching our weight and taking medication if we're supposed to and having a good diet but God wants us to take care of our spiritual heart Amen. that's where the priority is and that's the priority of what he says here in Philippians or sorry Proverbs 4:23. watch over your heart With all diligence. Why? Because it saves us from spiritual heart disease and all the trauma and all the heartache and all the hardships that follow if we will just take care of our heart. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And it's certainly true, if you like, in the sense of spiritualness, isn't it? In our spirituality. If we avoid the things that we know is not going to be good for our heart spiritually... That's going to, in some way, compromise in our relationship that we have with God. Better to avoid it than to have to deal with the heartache. There's a song we sing, one modern version says, Lord, my heart can grow so far away and cold. One of the more classic hymns that many of us know is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And the sobering thing is, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, and that's the most important, that we be honest with God, is that we can even in that, we can even in that be in this pretense of appearing like on the outside, like how the Pharisees tried to get away with it in some extreme way in Matthew 23, as though everything is okay, going through all these motions and with all these other woes that he mentioned about them that I didn't read. But he mentions this word, and it's another good one to study in Scripture, hypocrisy. We sometimes can dupe ourselves into thinking that if we're doing everything that we should be doing, which is good, there's nothing wrong with that, that somehow that might just be enough. If in the heart we're not right, there's still something that's not right with that. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 16. If you haven't there, go back to that section of Scripture. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16. You know, what are those steps you do? You think of the disciplines. I know, I just said that word that we don't really like, but I'll say it again. Disciplines. Some of those disciplines that obviously we need to improve on a little bit in the exercise area. I'd like to see more hands raised next time I come back on that one. But what are the spiritual disciplines? And again, understand this, that the spiritual disciplines in and of themselves aren't what the issue is. It's not just that you can say, well, I I read my Bible every day, as good as that is, and as great as that is, and I... I pray every day, and as good and great as that is, it's for even a higher goal of being in communication and touch with the living God. That's the reason. The psalmist says in verse 10, Seek God with all your heart. With all my heart I have sought you. What does that mean to seek God with all your heart? Well, doesn't it mean this, and I'm sure it means a lot more. It means to desire him. It means to want Him, to need Him above any one or anything else that comes your way, that's in your life here today. Any greater, no, there's no greater want, no greater need than God. With all my heart, I have sought You. Well, we know this greatest commandment in Scripture, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's one song Cindy and I are familiar with that we have sung. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. If you don't know Psalm 119, verse 10, let's memorize this, huh? With all my heart, I have sought you. Make that your prayer. Then he goes on to say, do not let me wander from your commandments. And another key here is verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. This is another key discipline to hide the word of God in your heart. Hide it. Most cases, if you hide something, sometimes that may not be a good thing. In this case, it's a great thing to hide the word of God and to memorize it. That's what it means. And to meditate on it and to chew on it. And to think of what that verse means. And to ponder it. A number of you I see when I come here in the morning are in a class here. And you're memorizing scripture. And you're hiding that word. And you're hiding that word in the sense that when you need it, the Spirit of God will recall it for you. And when you need a situation, you say, you know, what verse addresses this issue? What, I need guidance, God. And you think of his word. And you think of a verse that you memorized. You might be memorizing a verse today that actually might not be really particularly relevant for you right now. But a month from now, it might be. Two months from now. I can remember verses of scripture I memorized back in the late 70s. And you know, when you think about it, there's a ton of stuff I've forgotten since the late 70s that have happened. I'm sad I'm remembering anybody's birthdays hardly except, thankfully, I remember anniversaries and things of that nature and birthdays of family members, but I don't remember a lot of details. Some of you are excellent. You remember people here in this fellowship, you know their kids' birthdays, and you know so much and you've just memorized it. You've got that kind of mind. But when you think about it, can you think of anything greater than memorizing the Word of God? To having this word that is stored up in your mind and in your heart. And it just you just respond to it. You just think of scriptures and think of passages of verses. Think of the other benefits the psalmist says, in verse 11, as I read, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. You can communicate the word of God to others in sharing your faith. You kind of think, you know what, God, I've got, got a track to run on. That in sharing my faith with someone, as the Spirit of God leads me, I can, I can share with someone and I can actually point them verses of scriptures to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Any of you ever remember the topical memory system from the Navigators back in the 70s? I learned those verses when I first got saved. Wonderful verses. It was a personal evangelism packet that I learned at the church where I attended. 36 verses that helped you to walk through uh, key points of the gospel. It's good stuff. psalmist says in verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. You know, the word of God You memorize the scriptures and you know these wonderful verses that talk about the greatness of our God. And you're a a praise trooper. You love to praise God. You love to worship. You recall the verses of scripture. And it causes you to have this testimony that I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. That, brothers and sisters, is something to aim for in our lives. We can honestly before God who knows our hearts say, you know what? That's what I have discovered is true. This is true for me. This book, you, Lord, you mean more. This book means more than whatever is in my account and whatever will be. Psalmist says in verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways, and I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Lastly, something else that God wants, I believe, this morning and he desires for us is he desires that our heart to become like his. I remember talking to a, a man that I've known for a number of years, uh, not too well, but he's a, one of these guys that when you get with, it's just pleasant, pleasant to be with him. And conversation flows kind of freely. And we were at Yosemite at a campfire a couple of weeks back, and um, we were talking, and you know how it usually is. You kind of get a few things out of the way, some of those somewhat important issues like Giants baseball or you know, uh, weather or, uh, you know, whatever else, but kind of zeroed right in on what really matters. And I don't know how it came up, but he said, you know what? He says, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I sort of thought back and I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't hear too many people tell me that. I don't know how many conversations you've had, but if you had many people tell you, or if you told too many people, I want to be a woman. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. You know what really my, my passion is right now? What I'm really thinking about is knowing God better. That's what really matters to me. That's good stuff. And you know what? The rest of our conversation for the next 30 minutes or so talked about that. And we walked away having been edified and encouraged in a way far greater, frankly, than if we'd been talking about some of the superfluous stuff that's out there that a lot of times we spend ourselves talking about. It was one of those rich conversations. You know, he's in good company because you probably know very well that there's somebody that else said that, that God said about somebody, and he said it about David. He said, David was a man after my heart, my own heart. It says that in Acts 13, and then where it's made reference of him in Samuel, that David was a man after God's own heart. You think about that, and you think, okay, well, I know he was a shepherd, and he was a great warrior, and he was also a musician, and we have a number of the Psalms that are attributed to him. But what else do you know about David? Well, for the time we have left, we know that David was not a man who never sinned. So, what does that phrase mean? A man or a woman, if you like, after God's own heart? It's David sinned. We see a number of failures in his life. And Scripture definitely records some serious sins. And I bet you, if you know anything of David's life, probably you think pretty quickly about another name, Bathsheba. And you think about her husband, who he put on the front line to cover up the fact that he'd committed adultery with her. You know that David had a number of wives. seems like there was a weakness in this area in his life with women. Yet the scripture also records a number of wonderful things about him. And yet, God says, not someone else about him, God says that he's a man after my own heart. How can it be? How do you, how do you gel those two together? Well, let me tell you something implied, and then let me tell you something stated in scripture. Think about this. After David committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had her husband killed to cover it up. Remember, God sends this man named Nathan to confront him. And there, there is where the heart of David comes out. Because, you know, maybe you have done this or maybe you've been on the receiving end or on the giving end. But that when he's been confronted, when David was confronted with his sin, he owned up to it. He didn't shift blame. He didn't excuse. He didn't get angry. He didn't deny. He didn't say it was somebody else's fault. It says in Scripture, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And you know what? The comforting thing was is that as a response of that, Nathan says, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. There's blessing when there's been honest confession and repentance. Amen. And at that point, I'm sure in David's heart, he, when he said, I have sinned against the Lord. As we know from Psalm 51 and in the other psalm in Scripture, we know that he was a contrite man. He was broken. And God saw that. And God honored that. Is that not one reason with just how he responded to his sin that God was incredibly impressed with? You ever been on the end when you have to tell somebody something that they've done wrong? Now, taking the fact aside that sometimes we kind of blow it by maybe the way we do it. You know, Galatians one says if you're going to restore someone, you restore them in gentleness. But assuming even if it's been done right and you chose the right time and you thought, you know, I'm just going to do the perfect timing here, sometimes you still get, you know, that reaction. Just, whoa! And immediately the person's excusing and backpedaling and trying to say it was somebody else's fault. David could have said that. David could have said it was Bathsheba's fault for bathing out in the open. If she hadn't done that, then it wouldn't have happened. Or if his servants went and got her, then it was their fault for getting her. And blame shift and blame shift and blame shift. Could have come up, if you like, with a hundred excuses. But as I said, he confessed it. For you and I, the temptation is and one we want to avoid is saying, you know what? I'm like this because I'm like this because of my past. You know, and I understand. I understand that the past can help explain. The past can help explain and understand why you might and I might be like this. But it's a different thing to say it's my past fault. Therefore, I have no responsibility because of what happened in my life. The circumstances that I were in, if they were indifferent, then I wouldn't be like this. That's a subtle thing, kind of a subtle lie, a way that we deceive ourselves to take responsibility. But now here's the stated of why David, I believe, was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22 says this, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I think that's the key phrase, isn't it? He will do everything I want him to do. And you say, whoa, that is a beautiful, beautiful compliment. And you bet it is. I mean, you think of all the compliments that you want and you appreciate, and I appreciate in my life. Can you imagine the compliment where God says that you're a man, you're a woman after my own heart because you do everything I want you to do? Isn't that something that you aim for and you want to say that God would say of you? That's simple, and yet it's profound, isn't it? How hard, is that, how hard is that to imitate, to do everything that God wants you to do? You try it in your own strength, and it's impossible. But you ask God, God, as we saw in verse 10 of Psalm 119, Lord, I want to learn to seek you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commandments. You get that heart more and more focused on God. And then that's going to start to shift and change in your life. God wants us to live a holy life, and we can only do that with the help of his spirit. God wants us, as we are reading here, to read and meditate on his word. And he wants us to be people who pray to him and are in close communion with him. But what we need to remember in all of that, and because he tells us to do that, we need to start doing what he asks us to do. I remember saying that to one of my kids. I've had this conversation, it seems like, too many times. I just wish you would do what your mom and I ask you to do. How many times have you said that? A couple hands? Have I heard? Yep, there's a couple. And I'm sure it's maybe been said of you, if you can remember. Please just do what I've told you. I haven't told you to do something that's going to kill you or harm you. I just want you to, that four-letter word that starts with O, obey. And God wants us to do that. But whose honor are we seeking? Who are we wanting to please? Daily Bread had a wonderful little story on this, and it kind of captures this whole verse of Proverbs 4.23. And in closing, they really just kind of asked this question about this whole section, about watching over your heart with all diligence. The writer said, so how's your weight? Do we need to lose the weight of unnecessary burden and cares?" And they ask, about your pulse, are we maintaining a steady rhythm of gratitude and praise like the psalmist in Psalm 119? And what about your blood pressure? Is our trust greater than our anxiety and our diet? Are we enjoying the life-giving nutrients of the word of God and feeding on that? So brothers and sisters, on this incredibly hot Sunday afternoon, and I'm about ready to melt and wilt here. I just want to ask you this. Have you checked your heart lately? You go to the doctor hopefully about every year if you get that age of whatever you should, 40 or not, because it's good to kind of get that physical checkup. If you were to give yourself a spiritual checkup, or if you were to ask better yet, maybe someone as well who knows you and says, how do you think I'm doing how do you think my heart is? What, what's coming out? What would they say? Make it our prayer today. And God knows if it's true. And he also knows that this is the farthest thing from our mind right now. That we would have a heart where it would be said of us that we have a heart that wants to follow after God. That we want to have that kind of heart that God would say that. they're a person after my heart because of the way they follow me. And as Jenny sang... And I leave it with this you as well. Remind me where my heart belongs. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you have given us a new heart when we trusted in you. And Father, I pray today that if there's anyone here that needs a spiritual heart transplant, that needs to come to know you, become your son, I pray that you will reveal that to them today, that they have a heart right now that is hard and full of sin and they need to be forgiven. God, I pray for for those of us here who know you today that we might be open to your spirit as he puts that searchlight on us and would encourage us where we see that we really are wanting to follow after you. And I pray, I pray that there's areas in our lives where our heart right now is, is hard, it's somewhat cold, it's indifferent, maybe complacent, but it's not really beating fast and hot for you, God. I pray that you'll just reveal that to us and that we'll change from this day forward for your sake, for your glory. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Thank you that you love us, that you see all of us, you see exactly who we are, and yet you still love us. And we love you, Lord. And we pray you'll just keep us safe this day. Help us to be wise in how we would just stay um, safe today. For we would ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.